Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Robertson. It'll flick on by Firmino. And Liverpool striking San Siro. Beautifully guided header by Roberto Firmino. Alexander-Arnold. Headed down by Van Dijk. It's hit by Salah. So once again, Liverpool's European pedigree shines through. Experience paying off in the San Siro. Weathered some tricky moments, but ultimately came through this Champions League test with a two-goal cushion to take back to Anfield. Is it enough? We'll discuss it all on the pod over the next half hour. Now, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of our articles on Liverpool as well as everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. And right now, if you sign up, you can do so with a special price of just a pound a month for six months. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Right, let's talk with Kiever O'Neill on today's pod uh, and also back from Milan, James Pierce. Um, James, welcome. How, how was the, the San Siro? such an imposing, iconic venue. Yeah, it was a fantastic European trip. Thanks, Steve. I think, um, yeah, my my flight back from Milan to Manchester earlier on today was was absolutely jam packed, full of full of probably hungover but jubilant Liverpool fans because um, it is one of those iconic European football cities, Milan, with its rich history and tradition. And you know, there's few stadiums quite as, as special as the San Siro, and for Liverpool to go there and and beat Inter so soon after beating AC Milan in the, the same arena. And obviously the stakes so much higher this time. It was, um, yeah, a real night to cherish. And I think the fact that Liverpool went and turned over the Serie A champions in their own backyard on a night when they were far from, you know, anywhere near their best, that just speaks volumes about, well, probably two things. One, they're going to take some real stopping on this road to St. Petersburg and also you know, what an incredible depth of talent Klopp is able to choose from at the minute. Kiva, for a lot of teams, if you're far from your best in the Champions League, you get punished massively. Not so the case with Liverpool. No, they didn't look concerned that they at any point the Inter Milan were going to score. Kept them at arm's length, even though Milan had a, a lot of the ball in the box at times and, you know, were attacking Liverpool well, but just not well enough. And I, I felt Van Dijk and Canate paired up really great, did what they needed to do. Until obviously the second half, when you know Klopp makes that triple change and things sort of, you know, the gear was sort of taken up a little bit then because Liverpool hadn't probably played to the best of their ability, but still it kind of shows the strength of this team to sort of not be at the races, but still you know hold Milan back from doing what they can do well. So I thought you know Liverpool deserved the win in the end, but if, if you would have come away with nil nil, it would have been like okay, fair results. But again, you no, know, this is that. 
the sort of mindset of the Liverpool team, nil-nil wouldn't have been good enough. For the Inter fans who in there, I mean, on the TV, it sounded like they were making a massive noise, James, and quite, quite jubilant about their team's performance in the first half. How deceptive was it? Because actually looking at it, you think, oh, Inter, they're on the attack again. They, you know, they look effective. But actually, they didn't really have any clear-cut chances on goal. No, they. I mean, they had the best chance in the first half where I think it was Hakan, one that hit the the underside of the the bar but I mean I think they got into some really dangerous positions didn't they and then moves broke down either their final ball was lacking or you know more often than not Van Dijk and Canate were in the right place at the right time to to deal with the danger and and clear their lines but um, there was a you know a, a real buzz around the San Siro from the home fans you know it was the noise was incredible you know despite the, the capacity being limited still due to the Covid restrictions over there because I think I think there was a lot to admire about Inter. They were I got to admit they were better than I thought they were. Because I think when you think they're going toe to toe with AC Milan for that title this season, and I wasn't particularly impressed with AC Milan in the group stages. When you think you know Liverpool went over there and and beat AC Milan you know, with nowhere near you know a really a full strength team out there. So you know there was a lot of encouragement for the Inter fans with the way I think they did they did unsettle Liverpool at times. They Liverpool were wobbling certainly in those opening 15 minutes of the second half. That was their best period of the game by a mile, despite the fact, as you said, you know, they didn't actually force a save from Alisson Becker. But, you know, they were they were very physical into Milan. I thought, you know, they they weren't your typical kind of, you think of Italian teams almost sitting back and just looking to soak up pressure. But I think they did ask a lot of questions of Liverpool. But, yeah, they just got no change, did they, out of that back line. And then, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, the, the most pivotal moment of the whole night was that that triple substitution just before the hour mark because um you know I think Klopp you know he'd been deep in conversation with Pep Linders on the sidelines and they knew that decisive action was required and you know of course that's the beauty of the Champions League for for Liverpool the fact that you can make five substitutions you know he certainly took full advantage of that yeah that's when squad depth really comes into play we'll go back to the defense in a bit let's talk about the substitutions and what what were you thinking Kiva when Fabinho was taken off not the fact that Henderson was coming on, because I think we're all fine with that, but we're so used to seeing Fabinho being a, a pivotal and key part of this team. Yeah, um, in the first half of that match, I was thinking, has Fabinho been Liverpool's best player of 2022 so far? I just think he's been incredible and relentless in midfield. He just seems to be there every time you need him to win the ball back. Or, you know, it's those little passes that get Liverpool moving forward and... Um, I just think he's he's been brilliant and then he sort of gets taken off and you're thinking, oh God, what's happening here? Is he injured? Or, you know, this is a bit of a strange one to bring him off because, you know, Inter Milan was still looking a threat going forward. Liverpool were struggling to get on the ball in the way that they would like and you felt like Fabinho would be someone that would, you know, do the job that he does, cutting and pasting in there. So to bring him off, it was a bit of a, oh, all right, because I thought maybe bring Thiago off instead. Um, and then Henderson comes on and obviously has an incredible game. So, you know, this is why Jürgen Klopp's got his job and <laughs> and he knows what he's doing. Because, yeah, I think it, it did kind of raise one or two eyebrows thinking, why is Fabinho going off here? But then it was the perfect move because Henderson just, everything just went quicker then. He, he just put it, injected pace into his, into the Liverpool's passing and movement and he was demanding more um, but it looked a little bit stagnant before that and everything just happened a bit quicker. I think that helped Liverpool out a lot. So it was a bit of a shock because Fabinho has been just like I said superb 
um, particularly uh, this year. Yeah. It was a, a bit of a moment where you were like, you, you wanted Luis Diaz, that's all you wanted. I think everyone was like, Luis Diaz, where is he? So when his number was there and he's getting his shirt on and ready and you're like, yeah, for well, Fabinho to come off was a moment where it was like, hang on. Um, but I thought the changes were absolutely perfect and, and Diaz as well. Like It's going to be interesting going forward because he is one of those players you just want to see all the time. You just want him to be on the pitch. So it's going to be interesting how much we can actually see him on the pitch with obviously the, the strength and depth that we're putting out boast. This is why Jürgen's the tactical genius, isn't it? You mentioned it there. So he, he's seen what needed changing. Um, he's brought Jordan on. It was superb. I mean, if you look at it, he brought experience to the game. You wonder how much he's, he's sat there being a sub and thinking how he can affect it, affect the momentum of it. He just took the game by the scruff of the neck, James. Yeah, it was a proper captain's performance, wasn't it, in terms of leading by example. And it, you know, it, it felt like a, an, an important contribution, that from Henderson, because he has, he has come in for some criticism recently. I think he'd be the first to admit that he hasn't been performing at the level to which we all know he can do. He certainly struggled at Burnley last weekend, where he probably ended up, you know, in hindsight, probably should have gone off when he took that heavy blow to the knee, because I think he probably didn't do him any favours trying to battle on after that. But yeah, that was a timely reminder of just how important Jordan Henderson is is to Liverpool. I think when you look at the stats, I think I think he completed 40 of his 44 passes, which was more than Thiago Elliott or Fabinho, who obviously were, were out there for a lot longer than him. And uh, I thought Cater was equally tidy in possession. And between them, you know, those two managed to wrestle back control of that midfield that, that had been lost. And just, I think, just that experience and, and calmness that, that Henderson especially brought to that midfield in that kind of deeper role, yeah, really helped because um, before that triple substitution, you know, Liverpool were wobbling and, you know, if Klopp had dallied, I think we could have easily found Liverpool behind and, you know, in that kind of atmosphere, it would have been very difficult to come back. But, um, you know, it was it was very decisive to make those three changes and, yeah, as well as the two boys in midfield who transformed things, I thought, as, as Kiva said, you know, Diaz just showed again, you know, what, a, what an immensely exciting talent he is to watch because... He's so positive and direct and dynamic that I just think he's an absolute nightmare for tiring defenders. And whether we see him in that role primarily for the rest of the season, you know, as like an impact sub, you know, to, to give Marnie a breather or whether, you know, I'm sure there'll be sometimes when he's unleashed from the off. But w- what a fantastic option to have because, um, yeah, suddenly, you know, there was there looked like a gulf between the teams, I thought, final kind of. 20, 25 minutes of that game. And in the end, the perfect away night in Europe. As an opposition side, and you put everything into it, Kiva, to try and stop Liverpool and you think it's worked. And then they put Luis Diaz on. And, and as James is mentioning there, that's just like the worst possible chess move against them, isn't it? Just because of his, his energy and relentlessness. Yeah, I was just going to say straight away, energy. Um, you know, I think he, he looked to be alongside Henderson, Liverpool's best player. You know, when he come on, he was just willing to run anywhere. Um, I think you see him from, his, he nearly scored, didn't he? I think it was a Trent who, who set him up. And, you know, I think we're seeing exactly what he would bring to Liverpool as someone who, you know, will be probably based on the left but can play on the right will always want to wander centrally and get involved in play, wants to take on his man. He's the perfect almost substitute in moments like that where teams are sort of ground down a little bit, you know, into a probably a little bit leggy, trying to break Liverpool down and, you know, vice versa. And then, you know, on comes Diaz with all the energy and all the trickery in the world. He just wants to run at players and 
he looks like one of those players who's just having fun no matter what he seems to be like Firmino like smiling Mane the way they smile when they're playing Salah he fits right into that he just looks happy to be here and I was just gutted for him he couldn't get that that first goal because it would have been quite an occasion I think he scored for, for Porto at the San Siro in the group stages so you know he's he's got that uh, that in him to score on big occasions and I think we'll definitely see that soon from him and once one comes I think it'll definitely be a case of the floodgates opening and someone Liverpool can look to for you know the rest of the season out he's a real real option from the bench like someone that excites you and someone that you know everyone around about that time is thinking Luis Diaz so I think that just speaks volumes for the kind of uh, player Liverpool have signed. Absolutely. And when he scores that first goal, the roof's going to come off. In fact, he, he might get opportunities in the next two games, Norwich and Leeds, given the fact that we know that Diogo Jota got an injury in the game. What's the update on that, James? Well, the, the update on that is that they're waiting for him to be assessed. You know, Klopp didn't sound too positive, really, about things after the game when he was asked. He said that he twisted his ankle and it had subsequently swollen up. So he said, you know, usually with those things, they would leave it. 24 hours before doing a, a proper assessment so yeah obviously a, a real concern with you know especially with the Wembley final only being 10 days away as we as we speak now but you know as we've said before that thankfully it's a you know as good as Jota has been this season you know with, with the way that the squad is they do have high caliber options to to step in and do the job and I'm sure you know the the fact that there is that carrot being dangled of of earning your spot at Wembley and I'm sure that'll add a a little extra edge to training and those games against Norwich and Leeds because you know everyone will want to be a part of the team for that one so um, yeah let's just hope that it is positive on Jota and that and that any absence is is minimal and of course the man who replaced him last night James after half time was Roberto Firmino who who really didn't have it his, his own way when he came on but actually Scored a wonderful headed goal, a very tricky goal to execute, but looked like something that that had maybe been practiced before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, Klopp revealed afterwards that it, it was an area that Peter Krawitz, his assistant, had, had pinpointed as a an area of vulnerability in the inter ranks in terms of that near post area that they could attack, and it was something they'd worked on in training at Kirby on on Tuesday before they they flew over to Milan. So yeah, again, you know, it comes down to the attention to to detail that, um, that that goes into these preparations and it was it was a fantastic header from Firmino you're right I thought he I thought he initially really struggled to get into it because I think you know the pace was relentless at times and I think you know being thrown on straight after half time you know the ball was bouncing off him a bit he was almost part of the issue in the early stages of the second half where the ball just kept coming back but um, yeah certainly once Klopp made the changes you know Firmino settled and yeah a timely reminder that you know, and I think probably some people have been too quick to to write him off. You know, I think he is no longer a guaranteed starter for Liverpool, but you know he's still a, a top class player and a, another you know great option to have. And um, yeah, re- remarkably, that's now five games in a row where where Liverpool have broken the deadlock. You know, courtesy of a set piece. And I think that's the beauty of this team: the fact that it can hurt you in so many different ways. And when you know you you kind of think to yourself, you know, you you've got to be so wary about players bursting in behind and you know the the potency of the front three in normal play yet that threat from set pieces has gone to the next level this season I think it's it's 19 goals now across the Premier League and the Champions League and then for context I think Liverpool managed 13 
across those competitions in over the whole of last season. So uh, it's pivotal, isn't it? Because that the fact that it's been that's been the avenue that they've they've grabbed the opening goal in the last five. Because we know that that first goal transformed games. It opens it up, and that enabled Liverpool to then push on and, and get the second against Inter. Yeah, you, you saw the Inter hearts break, didn't you, Kiva? After that first goal, when they put so much in. And I think they probably even thought they snubbed out the danger of Salah, didn't they? But such he's got that knack, that that ability. When he gets one opportunity, he takes it, and he and he properly broke their hearts then with the second. Yeah, because that I think puts the tie almost beyond them. They've got a big task now at Anfield. So the second goal was vital. You think you know one nil would have been manageable, and they would have thought you know, but two nil just makes it even harder to to come to Anfield and. And try and get get a result and get through to the quarterfinals. So Salah had been quieter than usual. Maybe sort of Afcon is perhaps taking its toll on on him and Mane. Having you know played so much football this season, including that. But I think you know we'll we'll still see moments from them like that, which would you know make you wonder like where Salah will will rank one day when we're talking and we're looking back because he just keeps breaking records. Every goal seems to bring a new record. Like. Does he know about this? Does he get tired of it? Or is he probably someone who's chasing each one? Um, so, yeah, an, another goal for him to uh, break more and more records. And then, obviously, you know, we all love a glancing header, don't we, against a, a Milan team. So, Firmino's goal was uh, very enjoyable, I thought. So, so, he's scored in eight games away in a row in the Champions League. Mo Salah now, and he's on 149 Liverpool goals. So that, that next goal for him is a pretty momentous milestone, James. Yeah, just the, the latest one to tick off, isn't it? I think um, it was classic Salah, wasn't it, in terms of even even on a night when he is relatively quiet and, and well shackled, you, you, know, you can't take your eye off him for, for a second. And um, yeah, he was so alert when that ball dropped in the box and you could see what it meant to him after... After the game, he, he made a point of going behind the goal and, and passing his shirt over to a supporter that had brought a homemade sign with them, uh, begging for it. Um, he, he sent one home one supporter home, Aww. especially happy. You know, I think we we know that you know he was on you know such a hot streak before Afcon. You know that will that'll do him good to be to be back up and running. And what's that? Twenty four for the season now. Yeah, great to great to see. And I think. You know, I know you, it was obviously Klopp said everything you'd, you'd expect him to say afterwards in terms of it only being half time and Inter still being dangerous and all the rest of it. But you could tell more from the body language of the Inter players and from Inzaghi himself that they knew that the tie is effectively done. I don't see a way back for Inter from this because um, you know I think you only have to look at the, the history books show that you know every time Liverpool have won a knockout tie. In the first leg away from home in Europe, they've they've gone on and and got the job done. And I, you know, as as impressive as I thought Inter were, probably for an hour last night, I just think they're in such a poor position coming to Anfield where they're going to have to take risks to try and claw back that deficit. I just think Liverpool will be able to pick them off on the counter attack. Let's go back to the centre halves. Uh, Van Dijk, brilliant. Canate, though. We're... Was that his best performance, Kiever, in a, in a Liverpool shirt? Incredible shift, lots of big tackles, uh, interceptions, his body in the right places. Yeah, he, he looks so at home in this Liverpool team, doesn't he? And I think every performance he has, you kind of like, 
was that his best performance yet? And it feels like it, it always is. He seems to raise the bar every time he plays for Liverpool. And I think what we've got to remember is he's often coming in from the cold. You know, Matip's been playing ahead of him and then, you know, he gets rotated in without any form sort of behind him. And, you know, he, he can play like that. And he's he's been doing that, you know, all season. Just, you know, Klopp's dropped him in and he's done a job and he's just 22. I think he'd be 23 in May, which is, you know, just scary really how young he is and how good he is at that age because he's only going to get better. I think, you know, Van Dijk makes players look better because he's just a brilliant defender. He will always make players look better. But when players shine next to him, then that's when you know that you know the the catching the eye in the right way. You know we know Joe Gomez has done it in the past. Joel Matip does it, has been doing it regularly this season, and and Canate's been doing it as well now. So, I think when when you can shine alongside Van Dijk, I think you know you you're a very good defender, and that's what Liverpool have certainly got on the hands in Canate. And I love his um his posts to, to social media after after games. Uh, they're always a little bit fun, aren't they? The gifts he uses. So yeah, I, I think he's just seems to be really enjoying himself. And he did well getting out the way of uh, Salah's shot as well, as well as doing all the defensive work he did. And he just, he's got that energy that Van Dijk has, like that you're not getting past me, and like I'm better than you, and sort of like a, a positive. Like arrogance that he's taken that on and learning that from Van Dijk and that's I think massively important for defenders and and world class defenders and it looks like he's right on course to be one of those and and be up there and you know you think he was the only player Liverpool signed last summer I don't think we I think when we look back we'll think that's the only player Liverpool really needed to sign and then obviously getting Luis Diaz we could be looking at you know they don't need to do too much you just got to do the right things and. Those two players in particular look like the right kind of players for Liverpool. And the the vibe and the belief and the confidence just seems to knock on from one player to another. You, you see it across the whole squad. And so it's probably not a surprise that you see Harvey Elliott. It's when the team sheet came out and Harvey's on it. Again, someone else breaking records. You think it's someone else. He's not going in, into this with any trepidation, James. No, no. And um, you know, I, I don't think shows of faith come any bigger, do they, than... Than being given your, your European debut for Liverpool as a starter in a knockout tie in the San Siro against the Italian champions. It was, uh, I think, you know, if anyone's in any doubt about how highly Klopp rates Harvey Elliott, there was your there was your answer. You know, he he thought that he his skill set was was perfectly suited to trying to operate in those small spaces and and get between the lines and help create for the front three and it. I thought in difficult circumstances that he did really well. I think you know, the youngest player ever to start a European Cup tie for the club. He had some really good moments. He had some other moments where he was kind of crowded out and, and his distribution let him down a little bit. But yeah, it was another big step forward for him. When you, when you think as well, that was his first start since that horrendous injury you know, at, at Ellen Road. You know, what a leap that is. You know, you, if someone had said to you back then that, you know, it, when he was stretched off that day, you know, with such a horrific injury that his first start back was going to be in the San Siro, you'd have you'd have laughed at the idea, wouldn't you? But yeah, I thought he didn't. He certainly, he didn't, certainly never looked like fearful or daunted by the occasion whatsoever. And yeah, I think we'll undoubtedly see a lot more. I actually saw his, I saw his dad Scott and his little brother Harrison in the airport this morning, and had a had a chat with them in Milan, and they were obviously in, incredibly proud. The fact that you know they're they're both massive Liverpool fans anyway like all of his, all of his family are and so to to be sat there and and watch the you know their son and their brother run out and and then you know be part of such a 
such a fantastic victory for Liverpool meant meant everything to them and um I've got no doubt that it will be an, another important part of his kind of learning curve because um you know one thing he is Harvey Elliott you know is is, is a real kind of student of the game he you know, he spent a lot of time when he was out studying you know his own games and the you know footage from other players to try and learn more especially you know having had to adapt to a new position in midfield this season and um yeah i i i think he will he will he will certainly benefit from you know what was another big step forward for his career stuff for dreams wasn't it i love the picture you put on your um, your social media of him in 2018 and his liverpool shirt at the at the final and obviously wouldn't have known what was going to happen over the next few years but That'll always be one to go back to. Obviously, a, a big night for him. Big night for James Milner, Kiva. He makes an 800th uh, career appearance. And we, and we find out in the past week that Liverpool have offered him a new one-year deal. Is it surely in everyone's interest, isn't it, to see him stay at the football club? Yeah, I think so. You know, we know what a good servant James Milner's been. And to, you know, hit 800 games is an incredible achievement. I think at any level of football, let alone at the very top level of, of English football. And to, you know... Have, have won what he has and, you know, to have featured as much as he has is just remarkable. And I think just down to how much he's he's put into it himself, you know. And I think last night I was sort of watching him come on and I, and I tweeted out to say, is there a player that you can bring on that sort of is coming on to shore up the game better? I don't know how many other players have that energy that, right, James Milner's coming on, Liverpool are definitely winning 1-0 now or 2-0 or whatever it was or whatever it is. He's one of those players, soon you see that number seven go up and he's coming off the bench, you think, right, Liverpool are going to, they're, they're going to be all right here. They're not going to, he's not going to let anything anything bad happen because, you know, he's got such a great CV of that. I think that record still stands, doesn't it, of the every game he, he's ever scored in. I think he hasn't lost that game. I think that's still going on. I haven't heard that it's not. So, you know, he's just an incredible footballer and one that sort of is, I think, important to keep around, even though I think he's 36 now. It's the younger players and seeing him with them and just he's one of the real leaders of the squad. Obviously, we know he's vice-captain, but I think for young players, he would have had words for Harvey Elliott last night and, you know, the younger players listen to him and he's got that you know, years in the bag of experience and I just think he's a good energy to have around even if, you know, I think he, at times recently, the past few weeks, I've been thinking, oh, he's not starting to slow down a little bit, is he? But no, I think he's, you know, he's still a very important player to have in this Liverpool squad and I think if he's starting in games like that, you're not questioning it massively, which I think speaks volumes and if he's not, I mean, if he's coming off the bench, you know, you want him to. So I think, you know, he's still a key player in this squad and he's a winner and that's important. Presumably, if he is being offered a one-year contract, that, that would include something, James, that says something about being involved in the coaching side of things because the, these sorts of individuals, they're very hard to find, aren't they? I mean, you know, the, the talent set that he's got is something that you want within your, your coaching setup in years to come as well. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Milner. I think, um, you know, I, I was told, I, I'm not sure it's quite right to say there's a one-year offer on the table. I think it's more the early stages of dialogue between the different parties just to sound out exactly where everyone's at because, um, you know, I, I think he's got a big decision to make because maybe if there was a coaching element to it, you know, that would be attractive to him. But again, it's like, well, where where would he fit into the coaching team? Because obviously there's not... There's not an obvious vacancy there when you know you've got, you know we know that Pep Linders 
is so you know heavily responsible for the training program. You've got Vitor Matos, who's obviously an important part as well. Peter Krawitz, Klopp himself. So I think it would have to be something that he felt was kind of he could make a really meaningful contribution for that to be an attractive part of it. I think also you've got to factor in the fact that he's already what you know we're talking about now. If he does sign a, another year, you know that would take him past his thirty seventh birthday. So I think. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, the deal would would have to be heavily incentivized and based on appearances. And of course, you know, I, I think you'd probably look at it and think, well, there probably wouldn't be too many appearances next season. I think, as Keeler said, he's, he's he's someone you want to keep around because of the way he conducts himself, the amazing professional that he is, the way he lives his life, the example he provides to all the younger players. But you know, when you do look at that midfield department. You do think, well, he, you know, he's not gonna, you know, his opportunities have already dried up a fair bit, and that's only gonna go one way, isn't it? So, um, I, I guess I think ultimately it'll come down to what he wants in terms of is he happy to stay at an elite club like Liverpool and play a bit part role, and and maybe you know if if there is a real spot there, coaching wise that appeals to him. Otherwise, I think he will certainly not be short of offers at clubs where he would still play every week because he's in. Decent, phys- decent enough physical shape to do that, and I think about you know those clubs who are kind of pushing for promotion from the Championship. You know, if you if you were to come up to the Premier League this season, then you know I, I just think surely you'd be doing everything you possibly could to to get James Milner on board because he is a winner. So yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see how it goes. I think um, you know either way. I think well, there's, you know, a, there's a team at Anfield next Wednesday that might be interested in him. As yeah, well. well that's yeah. Of course, there's a big emotional pull isn't there with um you know that would be a nice symmetry when you think what was he 16 years of age when he when he first played played premier league football for leeds and you know yeah i think it'll be 20 years in november that's just crazy longevity isn't it the fact that 20 years later he's still still playing you know for for one of the top two clubs in in europe yeah um, unbelievable so it'd it'd be interesting to see what happens with milner but i think it's probably a different very obviously a very different dynamic to you know the contract situation with Salah or Mane or Firmino I think if Milner signs a one-year deal and stays I think every Liverpool fan would be like well, yeah I can see the sense of keeping him on board if he decides that do you know what probably the time is right to go and try something new while his legs will still allow him to then undoubtedly he'll leave with the well wishes of everyone and and arguably probably for me that as with the status as the, the best free transfer Liverpool have ever made. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
Kiva, let's go to yourself. You've written a great piece uh, on Alan Rodriguez de Souza, a name that some might think, well, I know that name, but why do I know it? Well, you probably know it because he was at Liverpool, but he never played for them. So joined in 2015, and he's now with the uh, the Brazilian double holders, Atletico Mineiro. Um, but he's still got a love of Merseyside, and particularly the Reds. He certainly has, yeah. He's just won the title in Brazil. Um, he, he was signed for Liverpool in 2015 after they spotted him at a, a tournament overseas. I think it was Malaysia and Indonesia, perhaps, uh, that they spotted him. And Liverpool's one of the youth teams is also playing in that. And he was invited for a, a week trial and just, you know, got the job, basically, but then was never able to get a visa. So he was, you know, loaned out all over the place, Finland, Cyprus, Germany a couple of times in the Bundesliga, but it never quite happened for him. He was not able to get what you needed back then for the, the criteria to to get a working permit. Um, so he wasn't able to stay here for very long, so one to two months at a time. But, you know, he's gone away now. I think he was a... He went back on loan out to Brazil and then the year after he obviously joined Atletico over there and, you know, last season was playing with Diego Costa and Hulk and, and won the title and is making a real name for himself. I think he turns 25 next month and he's now sort of doing what he should have been doing. You know, he'd be thinking a few years ago and he's kind of now, you know, he's speaking to him. He's very happy he was to chat. And I mean, it was a struggle to track him down in the first place, if I'm going to be honest, because it just was like, right, how do I get hold of him? And eventually, you know, it was a couple of months that I was trying for and managed to get a chat, chat with him. And he was just so smiley for the whole conversation. He had loads of great things to say about Liverpool and, you know, his time here, which was, you know, one to two months of pre-season every year until he obviously left um, in January 2020. He was Firmino's best man at his wedding and Firmino's his um, daughter's godfather. So, you know, he had good ties here and, you know, remains close with the likes of Felipe Coutinho and Lucas Leiva, Alberto Moreno. Those those lads are still, you know, very much his mates and I think he sees himself back in Europe by the sounds of it. You know, he's happy to be winning stuff and I think they've got the basically their version of the Super Cup uh, this weekend. And, you know, if he wins that, there's four medals, I think, because he won, won another competition as well. So, you know, he's had a great great few months, a great past season. And I think, you know, he, he just seems like someone who wants to sort of have a go at Europe again. I mean, he played for a lot of clubs in Europe, but just never played for Liverpool. And he's, I think he still sort of harbours that dream of of coming back here and, and accomplishing things. And, you know, he was at the club when, obviously, Liverpool won the Champions League and he was at the club when, you know, in the start of 2020 when Liverpool would eventually go and win the title. But he must have been looking, thinking, God, I'd, I'd love to be playing in this squad. And Klopp and, you know, everyone at the club thought he was an outstanding talent, but it just wasn't able to happen for him. Whether now it could, I don't know, but, um, you know, He's definitely intent on sort of getting back to Europe and proving himself and being recognised over here in the same way he's now being recognised in Brazil. So he sort of got a happy ending, but you feel like there's maybe another happy ending to come. So, uh, yeah, it was great to chat to him and, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll keep an eye on, on what happens, whether he can make it back and, and make a name for himself. Great piece, worth a read, definitely. So impressed Klopp, but time ran out to, for him. Let's finish the pod this week with... Um, Massive round of applause for for Liverpool women. Seven wins in a row, 14 games unbeaten. I mean, the the records they're setting under Matt Beard this season, a little bit silly. Um, I know as well you have written in recent weeks on the fact that there's still that that problem with 
the Liverpool women's games clashing with the men's games, particularly in a season where they're doing so well, Kiva. Yeah, it's a frustrating one. I think it'll frustrate a lot of fans. It's happened three times alone in 2022. Obviously, the, the women's team and women's teams tend to play at Sunday at two o'clock. So, you know, it's been annoying when Liverpool have had games, the, the men's team have had games at that time because, you know, if it is at Anfield and the women are playing at Prem Park, then it prevents fans from going to both. But if it's not, you know, it, it just brings problems either way. And I think, you know, if you are one club, then you shouldn't be doing that and you know this isn't just a problem with Liverpool it's a problem across uh, football with a lot of fixture clashes going on and obviously Liverpool have tried to you know offset what you know was going to be a fixture clash when the the Carabao Cup final happens because Liverpool women will be playing Arsenal on the same day so they've moved uh, their kickoff time a little bit earlier so fans will be able to watch both but you know fans still won't be able to travel to both which is you know, um, I think, you know, we'll be upsetting for a few. And, yeah, it's certainly a problem that, you know, hopefully if Liverpool get promoted back to the, the Women's Super League, which, I mean, the 10 points clear now, there's, I think, seven games to go. They're looking very much on course to do that after, obviously, spending last last season in the Championship and finishing runners-up runners to, to Leicester City because there's only one place to, to get promoted, one spot. So it, it is a really difficult league to get out of, but they look intent on doing that this season. Um, so, yeah, if, I hope you know they, they do go back up and then we won't see any more of these fixture clashes and we can watch both teams you know, separately at different times and be able to go to both games if they're on the same day and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Matt Beard's team, after a slow sort of start, I think they'd lost the first game, drew a couple, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the best start from them, but they've just gone on some incredible run. Um, Leanne Kiernan, the Ireland international, can't stop scoring. You've got just leaders in the team, Rachel Furness, who was obviously on the podcast not long ago with us, Missy Bokerns, the scouser in the team, just bossing it in midfield, uh, Katie Stengel, the new American striker, she's coming in, added to the goals. So, yeah, it's all looking pretty good in terms of promotion. I think, you know, it could be wrapped up in the next uh, few weeks, I think, if results go their way and they can just sort of, you know, stretch that lead out a little bit more. That would be great to see them back, you know, especially with, you know, the TV deal, which is obviously bringing WSL to the screens of everyone now, pretty much on BBC and Sky. So you want to see Liverpool playing on the telly, don't you? I think you want to see them battling it out with Chelsea, Man City, Man United, Arsenal, all the best teams. So fingers crossed they'll be playing against them at at Prem Park next season. Yeah, some incredible performances. Well done to Liverpool women at the moment. Uh, thanks, as always, to the guys. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, read all the articles, everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Special price at the moment, just £1 a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Uh, many thanks to James Pierce and Kiva O'Neill. And we'll be back, of course, after the weekend. See you then.